0: That's what it's. That's why we celebrate, right? I mean, it's not that Jesus just came and gave us a nice, pretty setting, you know, to make us feel warm on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, but He actually came to transform lives, and uh, sometimes that's that's really out, really stark and different, right? You know, other times He saves us out of or from going down paths, you know, but it's we're all just as bad off, really, as far as being sinners and deserving eternal punishment, deserving to let our lives just be scrambled and messed up, right? And yet Jesus came so we could have a new life. Thank you. Well, this morning, um, I think that God works pretty good at uh, coordinating things. If you were here last night, uh, you heard Morgan start off by talking about babies, right? And uh, what a difference it is! And I've been, you know, we've we've got some new babies in our in our midst these days, and it's just it's a huge joy just to, to have them, you know, and just look down into those little faces and see the new life, and and you re- recognize just that that uh, helplessness and and wonder and all of that, and pretty soon to the carry household, right? Pretty exciting, uh, but you know. I think of we were a couple of weeks ago I talked about the darkness. In Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, if you remember the, the prophecy there, it said the people who walk in darkness what? Will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And in a sense, when we get to get to the story of Jesus' birth, there's the light bursting on the scene. Here is the promise. Here is the one who is going to bring light to those who are in the darkness that we talked about two weeks ago, to those, to the to the society, the culture, the, the country of Israel, which was in darkness at, at that time. And it stood out so much. But well, what would the light look like? And, and God, in his his plan that he'd laid out from eternity past, that he'd been working throughout all history, had the light dawn in the face of a baby. And so, I just want us to spend some time in wonder this morning. Um, I don't know, I probably won't say anything you haven't heard before. But maybe if you just take the time, and we've got a p- picture of a baby up here, and consider what what a baby is like, and understanding that, that God came an inhabited infant flesh, a tiny baby's body. How can that be? The one, if you turn with me now to First Kings chapter eight twenty-seven, we're going to rehash a little about of what Morgan said last night. First Kings eight twenty-seven context being the building of the temple. And this is in the prayer of dedication that Solomon made. And he says, but will God indeed dwell on earth? The old heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. And if you studied about the, the, Solomon's temple, it was a massive building. right? And Solomon says, there's no way that you can fit into this building. Then you look at what what Morgan showed us last night, the vastness of all that God created with a word. He just spoke. And all of those galaxies and and stars and, and things flung all those millions of light years away. He just spoke. He breathed and they came into existence, right? Now let's condense the one who is all present, right? He's present everywhere, equal at once. And to say that God the Son is now in a, there? Not only, only, by the way, in the body of a tiny newborn, but look at Luke 1, verses 41 through 45. Here we have Elizabeth seeing Mary. And they're they're both pregnant at this point. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. See, not only a newborn's body, but even a pre-born baby those very earliest stages was God. the One that the universe cannot contain. One is so vast, we can't even imagine him. Present no matter where you can go. The depths of the sea, the psalmist says, or into the stars, wherever we might go. And yet to say that he would be somehow contained in that little first cell when he existed in the womb of Mary. I don't have anything too profound to say. I just think about that. Think about that. It's not only cannot heaven contain him, but God is all-powerful. Uh, go to Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Isaiah 32, 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your out, and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Maybe you know that as a song. The King James Version, right? Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee, great and mighty God, great in power, mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Now imagine singing it to an infant. You sing that to an infant? Good. Does it mess with your mind a little bit? It should. How can the one who who did all of that be considered here in this place and so, so helpless that if he was left in a room full of everything that he needed, by himself, he would die. If he had the food that he needed, if he had the warmth, if he had, you know, um, all the other things that were necessary for life and yet left there by himself, he submitted himself to being that dependent on Mary and Joseph. That dependent, of course, on his father and the Holy Spirit. How can that be? How How can that even happen? Well, Mary wondered that herself. The angel came to her. Go to to Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 38. Luke 1, 30 through 38. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bonds." Slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Obviously, we're not going to cover all the the things we could marvel at in that passage right now. That would just be a a message all in itself. It probably has been many times. But echoing the the things that were told Abraham. Remember Abraham in in Genesis 18? Told as an old man, his wife, as an old woman, they were going to have a child. God echo. he's echoing here what he said there. Nothing. Is, is anything impossible with God? God creating life here is, is kind of the first step of helping us understand God does impossible things. God creating life when there's no possibility because of old age, dead wombs, dead bodies, in, in, a, in a sense. That's how Abraham considered his own body, right? Considered his body as good as dead, we're told in Hebrews. God made life come out of those who were headed quickly toward death. So he repeats that example. So if if having a woman with a dead womb conceive, could a virgin conceive? A woman without a man conceive? So having... God the Son, become a man, is just a further extension of that principle, right? Because it's impossible with with man. We know a woman doesn't get pregnant without a man involved. And yet God said he could do that. Because nothing will be impossible with God means nothing. God is capable of doing all things. We just saw how he spoke the world into existence. Is he bound by the things that he made? Oh, he can do as he pleases. So believe that this is what God did. Take it by faith. And then let your brain get stretched and strengthened by coming and contemplating it again every once in a while. It's one good reason it's good to, to celebrate the incarnation. Is because it stretches our brains. It helps us understand God so much more, so much greater than we ever thought that this could happen. I go as well to Matthew 19, verses 24 through 26. Matthew 19, 24 through 26. Here Jesus speaking to his disciples just after they've they've dealt with the rich young ruler, remember. God told him to sell all he had and give to the poor. And he walks away sad rather than encouraged that that there is salvation for him. Jesus says, And I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Who can be saved. And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, our salvation is impossible with us. There is no hope, there's no way. We're just destined for destruction. But when God says all things are possible, he even means it is possible for God the Son to inhabit. The body of an infant, both preborn and newborn, and growing up. I mean, think about a four year old. God inhabited the body of a four year old once. That blew your mind a little bit. How did it happen? Well, with God, all things are possible. That's what He designed, that's what He wanted to happen. Now, Jesus. God the Son had to make some choices, right? Uh, Go to that that, uh, classic passage on this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. There Paul says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, So from eternity past, God the Son has lived in perfect fellowship with God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, had a perfect existence. He had all that. And yet it says, he did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Jesus made a choice. He didn't give he didn't lose his attributes as God, but he willingly set them aside and didn't access them and made himself dependent on human beings, Mary and Joseph and others. Of course ultimately on the, his Father, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, but again, that's, that's a mind-bending idea that, that God It's just the most beautiful thing in, in picturing faith for us, right? If God, the Son, can make himself dependent in that way, can we trust and become dependents in the same way? Certainly. Certainly. But look into that face, that baby, Say, oh, you came down to that out of love for me, for us, for mankind. In fact, Hebrews chapter 2, 14 tells us it was necessary for our, for our salvation. Hebrews 2, 14, where it says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he, speaking of Jesus, himself, likewise also partook of the same, that through death, He might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. That is the way this all folded from Adam and Eve on. Even the way we were designed as human beings, God chose how we would be designed. God knew that it would be necessary when man fell for God the Son to take on human flesh. He could have designed us differently, I'm sure, with an infinite mind. But this was the very best way. This was the most glorious way. We're still figuring out how it's more glorious, aren't we? Some days it doesn't seem all that glorious. But the fact that he would take human flesh on was, was all part of the planet, and he had to take on flesh because we were made of flesh and blood. He chose to make us that way knowing what he would have to do and not just take on flesh and blood, but as as Philippians went on and told us, he was willing to even die the death on the cross. Torturous, painful. That's why he, he got into that body and to take on, of course, the wrath of his father that's deserved for sin. So let's just stop and 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 think about some things again that are true about this one we see as the baby on on Christmas time, Christmas day. I'll look again back to Matthew chapter one to the message that went to to Joseph. Uh, by God, Matthew one. We're, I'm going to read verses eighteen through twenty three. And these are some things that Joseph and Mary would have had in mind as they held this little baby. I kind of wish one of those little babies was here today. We could pass him or her around. (laughs) Might not be such a good idea. They might get grumpy before we're all done. But, you know, you've all done that. But verses 18 through 23 of Matthew 1 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. For she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God. I just want to point out th- three different things here. There's a lot more we could talk about. But first of all, here he says that this child will be of the Holy Spirit. And the word that's used there for of literally means out of as a source. Mary's baby didn't have Joseph as his source or any other man. And so the whole, the whole concept that maybe you know, Joseph needed to divorce Mary, because they were legally betrothed. No, she hadn't been unfaithful. He came out of the Holy Spirit, it says. These are are words that had never been spoken before in human history. So stop and think about what Joseph's trying to process here. This baby is out of the Holy Spirit. You know, he makes, seems to make a fairly quick decision to continue on and trust God. What does that mean that my betrothed is carrying a child that has its source in the Holy Spirit? that there's nothing I've found in, in, his, in his studies. You know, he would have thought things my fathers told me, the rabbi they spoke, a child out of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. How would he make sense of things at this point? And then as he he watched this child be born, and grow, and live. The child that was to be called, it says here, Jesus, or same name as Joshua, Joshua, the great deliverer of the people, right? The the man who led them into the promised land, out of the wilderness, into the place that God had promised them to be. Name him with that name, or as some people uh, like to pronounce it in a more Hebrew way, Yeshua literally means Yahweh saves. The God who said, I am, saves. And this is the one who will save his people from their sins. So what what would Mary and Joseph have been considering about Jesus as they looked at this little helpless face and yet knew this truth about him? I'm looking into the face of my Savior because I'm one of his people, right? It's not just a potential that he had as a person to become something great, to become a leader, to to become a rescuer, but it was declared as truth by God through an angel. He shall save his people from Rome, from their sins. And even greater, he will be called Emmanuel. God with us. It confirms, again, the idea of God coming in human form. That when he was, he was in this world with us, I'd say rather whether it was in the womb of Mary or after he was born, that God was with us in, in a different kind of way than he had ever been with us before. He had come from the inside of humanity, right? And as Mary was, was was told, the holy child shall be called the son of God. What would it mean to have God living in your home as a baby, as a toddler, as a preteen, as a teenager? What would it, be, what does it mean to have God live in the house with you? Boy, I... I'm not going to fill that in. The people who will fill that in for you, if you want to use their imagination, but I think you've probably got a pretty good one. Stretch your brain a little bit. That he was willing to—he well, was willing to be a teenager. Think about that. But he was in our midst to be one of us, to fellowship with us in a, in a whole different way than God had ever fellowshiped with us before. In experiencing. You know, birth and growth and change and all of those things that don't apply to God. But he said, Hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to walk through all of that with you. Well, let's go to the classic passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Here, the message given to the shepherds, right? The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, before behold, I give you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So this is what's told to the to the shepherds, right? These words just I'm sure just Seared on their brains, they would never forget them again. And as they went to find the baby, as we in, in the rest of the passage, let's go find this child. And then after they see the child, they're telling everybody that they can find, right, about what's happened to them. Do you think they told Mary and Joseph what they heard? I'm pretty sure they did. In fact, it's really implied at the in verse 19 because it says Mary took these things and treasured them kept on pondering them in her heart. She just kind of kept bringing them back together again. She she pulled the different truths. That's literally that idea of pondering, is to put them together. So It's a little bit maybe like being an investigator, right? Got this bit of truth here and this and she'd, she'd kind of mix them all together and, and just keep on thinking about who this child was she had given birth to. This child that she was called to raise, called to, to send into his ministry. But it says here that, that, there, that what was told to them was good news of great joy for all the people. The baby you're going to give birth to. Really? That sounds like an awful lot. I mean, some people th- feel that way about their children, but they're probably a little bit overestimating. Okay? But good news of great joy for all. It's pretty inclusive, isn't it? This baby is good news for everyone that he will be born. I mean, were they thinking, is this the meaning of the in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed that Abraham was told about? I wouldn't be surprised. Good news. Great joy. Wow. What would do for all of that in a baby? He's also called a Savior. Now, those who oppressed the Jewish people might see him as a threat. And, of course, Herod, when he heard about the baby, did see him as a threat, tried to kill him, right? But he was to be a Savior in a much greater way than just throwing off the Romans or even throwing off Herod's terrible rule. Salvation from from Rome's domination was a small thing. Salvation for all the people from sin. Now, that's a really big deal. He was born to be a great general. Well, that's something. But to save all the people from their sin? Unheard of. Who could think of such a thing? And of course, it wasn't believed that he would do that all as a baby. But How could a baby grow into someone who would actually do that for all who would come? Had we forgotten the original reason for him to come? We were reminded. He's also called here the Christ or the Messiah. Remember we looked at Daniel 9, 25 and 26 not too long ago. Turn back there and be reminded one more time when the prediction of the Messiah was given. Daniel 9, 25 and 26 Here in this, the 70 weeks of Daniel, it's often called so now. And so you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Oh, he's Messiah. He is to be a ruler, right? A first one. Until, the, the, until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with moat, a plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood, even to the end that there will be war. Desolations are determined. So, good news, the Messiah, this child is Christ. Messiah, the anointed one, the one predicted with great precision, In the book of Daniel, as God revealed that truth to him, what would it mean for Messiah to be cut off? Were Joseph and Mary familiar with this prophecy? And when he was called the Christ, did they say, oh, wonderful, our child, but he's to be cut off. What did that mean? But then also, back in, in our passage, says that he's called the Lord. And yes, when it says the Lord, he's one who rules and is, con- is in control, but I believe the way that the New Testament uses that term, particularly when it talks about Jesus, it's really just giving him the name Lord, and you'll see it in your Old Testament, it is all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is Christ the Lord, Yahweh. As the song, you know, Mary, did you know? Did you know that your baby was the great I Am? I think this passage is telling us that she'd been told how much of it she she can contemplate. How do you look into the, the face of a, of a baby of a child and say, You are Yahweh. I am the creator God. Know that your creator looks back at you through the eyes of a baby. And from Simeon, if you jump down in Luke chapter 2 to verses 30 through 33, this old man that saw them uh, in the temple says the, his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him, about Jesus. I'm sorry, I jumped down to 33. I start on 30. Um, these are, are Simeon's words, verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He said that when he saw Jesus at eight, days old my eyes god have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the gentiles and the glory of your people israel this baby is your salvation for people think about being simeon had been waiting, had been looking, you know, to, for the for the coming Messiah, but also was the Holy Spirit was in him and telling him, "Oh, this is this is the baby you've been waiting for. He is my He is my salvation for humanity. He's not just a savior from a particular political people or a particular temporary situation, but he is the salvation." from the problem of sin that's been plaguing man since the very beginning. But not only that, he's called the glory of your people Israel. He's giving him one of God's names. First Samuel 15, 29, if you want to look it up later, says the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. Speaking of Yahweh, God. That's who is the glory of Israel. And Simeon says, "I've seen the glory of Israel here in this little child." And yet, if we continue on with what what uh, Simeon has to say, we find out the other side that 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 cut off side as well. As he warns Mary, verses thirty four or thirty three through through uh, thirty five says, "And his father and mother were amazed at the things that were being said about him." And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. And for a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts for many hearts will be revealed. So There's that other side of it. Mary, be prepared. Yes, he is all of those things that you've been told, that he is the son of God that he is the Savior, he is God with us. He is the salvation of God. But getting to that is going to be a painful, difficult road. It's going to tear your soul to see it happen. It will be a joy through the path of sorrow. So many things for her to tuck away and ponder, right, as she watched this child grow and change and move toward what God had had him come and be born for. To think about while you're watching and holding and caring and raising this child. This one I'm just going to touch on briefly because there's no way we could talk about it, but Isaiah 53, right? Think about that. It talks about how he bore, he would bear the sins of mankind. And all of the, the, the prophecies there. Did, did Joseph and Mary know well, Isaiah 53, about what would happen with the Lord's servant? Did they read through that or hear it at the the synagogue and say, oh, we've brought the one that this is talking about to the synagogue with us today. He is here and he's, he's, he's chanting the Psalms that speak of himself with all the other people. He is going to deal with the sin that all these people have and they've come and realized it because they, they can't keep the law. They read about Jesus being that one who would be like a sheep come before his shears silently to be sacrificed on, in the place of his neighbors, of his fellow synagogue goers, of the rest of Israel, of the rest of the world. What would it be like to hear the rabbi teach about the scriptures? No, sitting next to you was the fulfillment of those. Wow. Did Mary and Joseph, or did Mary, I guess I should say, hear, hear reports back about what we saw in the book of John in chapter 1? John pointed to the adult Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How would you like to have your adult son have that said about him? Such difficulty, right? What happened to the Lamb of God? Well, it was slain because of sin, right? And yet, it was for the sins. Takes away the sins and who he is. And then wrestle with that in your brain, even imagine Mary, even after Jesus' resurrection, Still trying to work through those things, like his disciples had to work through those as well. The birth of Jesus sets the stage and the foundation for all that he would do as the descendant of Abraham, or of Adam first, of Abraham, and of David. The truths that we find in the birth of Jesus make the crucifixion and the resurrection meaningful. If we don't understand who Jesus was born as, It was meaningless for him to die. He had to be the God-man. He had to be the one come to be salvation for us and be fully qualified for it. Otherwise, it just had a tragic ending to a short life, right? Because Jesus truly is the light of the world, the Savior of the world, the good news. So don't just be satisfied again today on Christmas with some kind of a warm feeling about a baby. Let your mind and your heart be stretched. Let yourself have a sense of wonder and marvel, maybe that's been tampered down by all the things going on in this world today. Let yourself just feel like I can't hold in the stuff I'm feeling and trying to to make sense of in my my brain. But let let it stretch you out, both spirit mind, and soul, and also maybe then in the way you live. Right? He's an amazing, amazing Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can trust you, that when you say these things are so, that they are true. And uh, it's so hard to to really grasp and fully understand what you've told us is true, and, and, and that's encouraging because if I could get it all figured out, it probably wouldn't be very great. You are so much more and more and, amazing and, and your thoughts are so much higher than mine. Thanks for throwing things in, in my way, in our way, every day that, that make us have to, or, or we should at least stop and say, what, what, what has God done here? How is it that he could do this I don't understand, but Lord, help me to understand and to know you better. Father, as as we continue our celebration of Jesus' birth today, I do pray for for a good time together with friends and family and and enjoying the idea of of giving gifts to one another because you have given us, in in Jesus, a gift beyond measure. makes all the rest look like trash, nothing. And yet, in in kindness and in, in love, we can be a little bit of a reflection, a little bit of a shine there. And I pray that you would take that and, and use it and help us to, to love better, and to know you better, and to, and to love one another uh, more as you have shown us in Jesus. Uh, that there's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Um, thank you for your spirit to help stretch out the, the walls of our hearts know you better. In Jesus' name I pray.